Hello everyone and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 33rd episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I am your host, Zach Pensack, along my friend, Adam Goffin. Adam, how are you doing today? Footy, Zach. Spurs aren't shit anymore, footy. Ooh, that's a good one. Spurs on a nice bit of form right now. Four wins in their last five matches up to fifth place in the table. They're only a million and a half points behind Liverpool now. <laughs> we'll get to more about Spurs later, but today running through the table from top to bottom, Liverpool and everyone else. Pretty much. Yeah, Leicester slipping on the weekend, so getting farther and farther away from that elusive title chase that was never going to be. We have teams falling, teams climbing, uh, teams on losing streaks, and a couple of... Uh, surprise teams who are finding a little bit of form so it'll be a good one today adam yep looking forward to it it's going to be a good one through 20 do you want to start with the team at the summit if you will we will we'll start with liverpool here so as i mentioned liverpool continues to walk towards that title that they will be lifting at some point this season another winner on the weekend against Watford this one not the easiest of matches against the team in 20th I would say no but a new manager for them so we'll talk about that a little bit later so hopefully as a former defender bringing a little bit of stability to the team but Liverpool haven't really been necessarily blowing teams out of the water you know they've had a couple of close games in the in the in the past few weeks um, so I think that you know this one was always potentially a banana skin match um, that they would slip on and, and potentially lose but well, not lose. Let's yeah, not say we're not going to lose. But but potentially could see them dropping points in a strange world with a new manager, honeymoon syndrome. All yeah, that. that's a, that's a good point. Um, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It was not their best performance. They haven't looked phenomenal recently. I would say overall. That being said, sixteen wins in one draw from seventeen matches. Nobody is going to remember the games that you barely won. They need to pick it up. I mean, that's <laughs> two drop points out of fifty-one. So on pace for one hundred nine points this year. That would, which be would shatter the record. Ridiculous. What is the current record? I believe uh, Over City set it with 103, 103, I want to say. Something something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, Liverpool really just looking extremely impressive right now. An interesting thing to note, though, is that Liverpool, uh, according to goals allowed and goals four, has neither the best offense nor best defense in the Premier League. 42 goals for Liverpool, 14 against. Bettered in goals four by Man City, who has 47, and bettered by goals against by... Le- uh, Leicester, who has the best defense in the Premier League, mm-hmm. at 11 goals allowed in 17 matches. So, uh, again, grinding out results, that's how you win titles. Yep, absolutely. Can't say enough about Liverpool and how well they're playing right now. Mo Salah had a great game, mm-hmm. um, scored a couple in that one. Um, that he- first one had FIFA-like Ben oh. with the wind behind it. <laughs> it was fantastic. That was just that was Mo Salah back to his best. Yep. That, the, the form that he had when he was top scorer a couple seasons ago, that was, was beautiful play from him. Um, interesting, no game for Liverpool this weekend because they are off on FIFA Club World Cup duty. Can't wait for that epic battle against Monterey next Wednesday. <laughs> Would you say the FIFA Club World Cup is more or less important to a team than the League Cup? A team like Liverpool, who doesn't need to like make Europa through the League Cup. Well, that's a great point that you bring that up, because Liverpool played in the League Cup today, and I'm sure you heard about what happened in that. I did, yeah. Do you yep. want to recap that really quick? We can do, yeah. Basically, the recap of this one is they got smoked mm-hmm. by Villa, 5 to nothing, and they played zero of their regular starters, nor did they have any on the bench. Yeah, I mean, for good reason. That yep. tournament... 
I genuinely could not mean less to Liverpool. But why did they make it all the way through to the quarterfinal then? How have they because, made it this Because far? they're that good. <laughs> that when they don't try to win, they <laughs> Their win. youngsters are that much 100%, better. 100%. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Liverpool does have the weekend off before the, the holiday fixtures. It'll be a nice break. I would assume they're going to play a much weaker lineup against Monterey. Probably, mm-hmm. again, no starters in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Interesting look. starter for Liverpool today, actually, in the League Cup. A gentleman called Lewis Longstaff. Last name should ring bell there. Apparently he's a cousin. Oh, he really? played for the Newcastle under nines and then signed for Liverpool. Judas. 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 He went to a lowly club like Liverpool from <laughs> yeah. a high lofted club. He must be Newcastle. devastated being 10 points clear at the top of the Premier League with that classic say. 10 points clear they are. And yeah, it really does look like uh, they're going to win this title comfortably, I would say, especially because Leicester, who's now sitting in second, dropped points on the weekend. A surprise draw against Norwich. And uh, yeah, I don't they, think it's a surprise, Zach. You don't think so? No. I think Norwich are a class team. They just they've just been pretending they're, they're to just be shit 19. for the rest of this for the past uh, few I, weeks. I think you're saying months. that maybe to please your father, but that's not, I might be. That's not the truth there. <laughs> Norwich, a quite shit team. Uh, Leicester, they're dropping points, and that's I mean that don't want to be overly dramatic, but all but ends their faint title hopes. Ten points at Christmas. Although Liverpool as a Leicester did, fan, you're conceding now. Seventeen games into the season, you think it's done? Liverpool doesn't lose a game this season. No games lost. No. Absolutely not. There's no even, we, there's no weakness on that Liverpool team. Even at Leicester. In, in, unless they have multiple injuries to their top players. Hmm. If all right, I'll say if Liverpool stays healthy, I don't see them losing a game this season. It's going to be really interesting. Liverpool yeah. is upcoming for them, the home home game after that kind of game that they shouldn't have lost when they lost 2-1 mm-hmm. with that late goal. And then like you said, City on Saturday, that's going to be another epic game as well. Yeah. So second against third. Absolutely, yeah. So Leicester does have an interesting, or not interesting, but difficult run of fixtures. Three games in the next uh, eight days. It's League Cup versus Everton. It's City on Saturday, and then it's Liverpool next Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Everton could have a new manager in place for that one, too. So that should be really interesting. That's true. Um, but going back to Leicester, Vardy continues to score at a torrid pace. He's now at 16 goals on pace for 35, which would break the record set by Mo Salah uh, three seasons ago. And um, not just that. He's really separating himself from the rest of the pack. We'll mm-hmm. talk about it a little bit later on. But the next closest in terms of top scorers is at 11 goals. Yeah. So he's five ahead in terms of the top score race. And, and he's also on he, – he's now at, I believe it's nine matches in a row with a goal. So the question is, does he break the consecutive game goal streak that he set in the championship season, uh, the title winning season five year, or four years ago? Mm-hmm. That Good. would be remarkable. I wouldn't put it past him. He's a class striker. Yeah. I will say, though, that I was kind of annoyed about Leicester over the weekend because I did have them backed in a five-fold accumulator. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to owe me 45 pounds with my brother-in-law. No. Leicester bombed on it. I told him to play it out till the end. Yeah. So I played out to the very end. He could have cashed out. Nope. That's always, it's always the game you're most conf- confident on that ruins the bet. I, I bet on Liverpool and Leicester last weekend, and okay. Leicester let me down. Yeah, Your that's beloved Blues. My beloved Blues. Uh, but Leicester obviously you know, never went into the season looking for a title, uh, but still on, on a good pace for potential Champions League qualification. They're up 10 points on fourth place Chelsea. So uh, the gap is still present for them to qualify and build on the, the great, great base that Brendan Rodgers has been building over the last season. Yeah, it'd be great to see him back in Europe he got some good experience there with Celtic as well so. mm-hmm. yeah absolutely uh, so going on to third city uh, Manchester City of course that is a walk in the park against Arsenal this yep. weekend uh, one of the worst performances I've seen from Arsenal in a very long time an abject performance I would say um, but really every single word about that match has to be going towards Kevin De Bruyne 
One yep. of the best single performances I've seen a midfielder ever have in a match. He's just the complete player. He's, yeah. he, he can do it all. He can spray the ball around uh, midfield, uh, really open up teams with his passing. And then, God, that guy can finish. Did you see the finish on the first goal? They were both... They were both, both t- world class finishes, but that first one and the and the way in which that he didn't he he knew that all he had to do was use the pace on the on the pass. Yep, that is such a world class thing to be able to do. Hits it with kind of like the inside ankle of his boot and just puts in the roof of the net. I did hear a lot of criticism though of I believe it was Klasnach who was on the line for that. You know, was not going to stop that ball, but kind of ducked. That's pretty embarrassing if you're a defender. Yeah, I mean. It's pretty embarrassing to be an Arsenal defender, period, That's right true. now. Yeah. So I, I think we can we'll get to Arsenal here in a little bit, but Man City specifically, um, great result for them. You know that that would potentially have been a difficult game coming into it, certainly at the start of the season as we looked at it on paper. But to come in there and win three 0 pretty comfortably, Very comfortable. keep a clean sheet with the defense that um, that they've had so far this season, mm-hmm. um, great result for them. And I think you highlighted there's some really really important games coming up for for Man City if they want to stay in the hunt for. Really, for a second at this point, I guess. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, fourteen points back of uh, of Liverpool. It's a, it's a race for a second, I suppose. Um, but yeah, their next four matches: Leicester at home, Wolves away, Sheffield United at home, and then Everton at home. Those are three teams in quite good form, and Everton, who seems to be picking it up a little bit, and is picking up points against top opposition. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely, I could certainly see City dropping points to say specifically Leicester and Wolves away they lost to Wolves away last season Mm -hmm. yeah that's gonna be a tough one so um some interesting games coming up for them and another interesting game that they got drawn against this week was the Champions League draw Real Madrid in the last 16 that's gonna be wonderful I think they could beat Real Madrid I mean if it's it's a health thing for a city they've been Mm -hmm. devastated by injuries so far this season and that's led to a lot of their their issues I always talk about Laporte but um Fernandinho going down was a big one and yeah um yeah, I, I think that City City against Real will be a nice one to see. And they still have about, what is it, a month and a half, two months before that match. I actually was just looking that up. I wasn't sure when the Champions League fixtures are. So one second here. Okay. Early February? Yeah. Yep. Actually, the um, yeah, middle of February. Middle of so. February. So that'll be interesting to see those ones for sure. It's going to be a great game. I think another one in that, just as we're on Champions League topic, Tottenham against Red Bull Leipzig. That'll be and interesting. Red, Red Bull are top of the league now in, in yeah. Germany. Bayern Munich down in seventh. So Wild. Um, just seeing them and uh, obviously Haaland's boy playing for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's somebody that's been touted to be going to be playing for a, a bigger club here pretty soon too yeah uh that that will be a nice matchup that could that could be a goal fest for sure i hope um, so yeah two young teams who would have thought that with Mourinho <laughs> at the helm we'd be talking about goal fest it'll be a one nil win for spurs what am i talking park about the, park the bus park the bus immediately uh so yeah so so on from city uh in in third to chelsea in fourth Chelsea has lost four of their last five matches, and it brings up the question, how in the world are they in fourth right now? Because they are still better than the rest of the garbage that are in the, the Premier League The best of right the now. rest? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, you know, had they not had such a comfortable cushion, they probably wouldn't still be in fourth, but the teams in fifth are catching them right now. So looking at Chelsea in fourth, we'll get to Tottenham in fifth in a second. There's only a three-point gap now. So what seemed an unassailable lead for the top four in terms of being able to be caught is now looking very, very... Um, very, very unsafe, I would say. Um, Six-point gap between Man City in third and Chelsea in fourth, and then a three-point gap between Chelsea in fourth and Tottenham in fifth. So very, very interesting. What do you accredit that to, Zach? What do you, why do you think they've gone off the boil of late? Uh, I think it's this kind of like hyper-tempo that Frank Lampard has you know, tried to build this team around. Um, 
is one of those things where it's, you know, you can't sprint a marathon type thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's literally what they're trying to do is sprint 90 minutes of every game for a 38-match season. Uh, and I think that they're getting a bit weary. I think that the fixtures becoming a bit more condensed and close together is not benefiting Chelsea, especially with the seeming lack of depth in that club. Mm-hmm. That being said, they got the green light on transfers for January. That'll be a really mm-hmm. interesting thing to see is if they splash cash or if they want to roll with what's working. Um, but yeah, I mean, second to worst form in the Premier League in the last five matches right now. Wow. Only only worse is Watford, who hasn't won any matches in their last five. Chelsea has that one win. Uh, it, it, they looked quite bad against Bournemouth, Chelsea did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was at home. They had it. It was five less than double the amount of passes that Bournemouth had. So, you know, pass them off the field, but only five shots on target from 18 total shots. For a team that's supposed to be all attacking, that's a really bad return rate. And it explains why Bournemouth, you know, kind of nicked that 1-0 win. Yeah, they've got to be um, a little bit more clinical in their finishing. And, you know, they're they're kind of a one-trick pony um, at the top of the field in terms of Abraham. If he's not on form, they're, they're not on form. And something I read today about Olivier Giroud is that he'll be looking for a move in January because he's not getting the games that he wants hey, in Chelsea. Absolutely. He should and, be looking for and he wants to be playing in Euro 2020. Yeah. So I think that's that's you know potentially somebody they could be losing mm-hmm. in January. So who do they bring in? Who's who's a good strike target in January for Chelsea? Well, that's a good question. Do you think they go after Holland? I mean, do you I think, would, yeah, but he's not going to get sold in January. I don't think they'd let him leave halfway through the season, especially not when they're in Champions League. Yeah. Right now, um, that's a good question. I'll have to think about that. Who would Chelsea go after? Hell, he, it, Juventus wants to get rid of Higuain. You get the band <laughs> back together in Chelsea. Bring him back. He's only like 45 years old, right? <laughs> He's only 45 years old and 45 pounds overweight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that, that's an interesting question. Um, who would they bring in if Giroud left? Because yeah, Giroud... Drew performs for France. Mm-hmm. Like, he puts up incredible numbers for France. But he doesn't put up incredible numbers in terms of his goal scoring. No. I, he I, just I, contributes more mean, well, and yeah, he, he plays that, as a really good foil for that team. Those kind of, like, advanced-level stats of, like, you know, in baseball terms, like, wins against replacement. Like, the amount yeah. of the, the amount of wins you contribute to as a player, he, he is really He's important. like Mickey Almiron. Yeah, um, in a way, Spurs, Spurs and fifth, fifth <laughs> compared to Mickey Alvarez and Olivier Giroud, that's a first. Um, but yeah, so Spurs kind of the the opposite of Chelsea right now. Actually, the exact opposite. Spurs having won four of their last five, um, and yeah, a, a nice gritty gritty win this weekend. I would say uh, against against Wolves. That was a very you know that was the type of win that you know represents a team that's climbing and is confident. Yeah, um, and you know, getting a late winner like that with Jan Vertonghen, um, he's he's somebody that really kind of comes up with like clutch goals every now and again. Awful marking though. So no yeah. one remotely close to him. Lucas Moura, though, the goal of the match there. What a hit for that first goal. I know you still don't rate him. I think he's a very very valuable member of that team. And maybe he'll uh, sign for Chelsea in January. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely not no, going to happen. I wouldn't let him go that way. But yeah, Mora, uh, you know, really sh- showing in that match like what makes him on his day a, a world class player, and that's the dribbling skills, and then to be able to just hit that snapshot with the pace he did was pretty impressive. Son looked great again. He had mm-hmm. that dink in the second half to Dyer that Dyer should have put away. Um, I think Hyung Son is the most important player on that team. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic player, and he's he went through a dip in form late last season, yep. but he's really come back to form recently, and is somebody that I look forward to watching. You know, when you turn on match of the day and you're like looking forward to watching certain players. I remember back in my childhood, I would watch like Rude Van Nistelrooy and players like that. Sure, um, and you know, just 
fantastic Thierry Henry I think of like awesome mm-hmm. players I tune in for David Beckham whipping crosses in like Son is one of those players that like he's somebody you look forward to watching every week because you know he's going to do something special you know he leaves his heart out there on the field you know he's basically one of those like 110% effort every game even if he doesn't have the best clinical game in terms of his performance he's always going to give you that effort which is what I love about him well we we haven't spoken about that goal he scored against Burnley about a week and a half ago mm-hmm. that was that easily a contender for goal of the season really reminiscent of the hot and Ben Arfa goal against Chelsea long long time ago uh you know taking the ball deep in his own I would say honestly Sanz was even more impressive for sure taking mm-hmm. the ball pretty much at his own 18 and just sprinting straight down the length of the field dribbling past three defenders uh yeah that was a pretty remarkable one. They're full of confidence right now, and I think that's what Mourinho has done for them so far. And he hasn't obviously brought in any players. He's just really bringing in a sense of confidence and instilling that. The question is with Mourinho, as always, is will it last? Will it last? That, that's a good question. Um, a man who is really hanging on by a thread right now and, and making it last longer than most people thought, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer managing sixth-place Manchester United, undefeated in their last five matches. Uh, and He's six now. Huh? And up to six, six exactly. Yeah. It's it's a bit impressive what he's been doing, um, especially with the emergence, I would like to point out, of Mason Greenwood. Scoring another goal on the weekend, he is a very, very impressive young talent to keep an eye on. Youngest goal scorer in the Premier League for Manchester United since Frederico Macheda. Ooh. 17 years old when he scored several years back. That's wild. Uh, Mason Greenwood, obviously 18. Um, but, but certainly somebody who's on the younger side, great career ahead of him. Somebody I think we'll be very excited to see. Uh, but Man United in general, I think Solskjaer has done really, really well. Mm-hmm. We were talking here you know, a month or two ago about him being somebody on the ropes, next manager out. Undefeated in six, like we talked about. You know, they've, they've come in and they've beaten Manchester City in a big game. They beat Spurs as well. Um, and then and then they basically drop points again, you know, and it's that's that's the nature of Manchester United is they're going to be a little bit inconsistent. Um, they're going to be a team that doesn't always have the, the best game, but they're certainly a team that when Solskjaer has them up for it is, is capable of beating anybody in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the talents there, it's just how how are they managed and how does that team look on, yeah. on you know in their formations. But I, I agree. I think in that last match against Everton on the weekend, um, first of all, unlucky for Jesse Lingard not to score after about 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they could have had that early lead. Um, David De Gea had a surprisingly poor game, I thought. Uh, he does that every now and again. He does. Yeah. Um, he was... I mean, there, there was a question of a foul on the own goal by Lindelof on that corner where it, it looked like, uh, I think it was Dominic Calvert-Lewin jumped and kind of put his arm over De Gea. But I think, Skipper, you got to be a bit stronger there. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, as you said, I think Man United is a team of inconsistencies. Um, but I think that you know, they could very feasibly, looking at the table and looking at how tight it is right now, be, you know, they, they fully are aiming for a top four finish. I think the um, the game that really kind of epitomized the strength and the fight in that team for me was the comeback against Sheffield United in mm-hmm. that 3-3 draw. Um, fantastic comeback from United to, to really find... They were dead and buried in that game. I watched it. And Sheffield United looked fantastic, but they figured it out and they came back and they looked clinical on the counterattack. And Zach, they are still... The only team to have taken points off of Liverpool of future champions this season. That is true. Yeah, the the one one draw that Liverpool had to Man mm-hmm. United. That's that's a good point. Almost uh, won that game too. Yeah, that's true. So yep. you mentioned Sheffield United uh, sitting in seventh, right behind Manchester United at the moment. It's two wins on the bounce now for them, uh, and they have Brighton and Watford coming up next. 
you'd expect that'll be four wins on the bounce. Um, and really the star player in their 2-0 victory against Villa on the weekend was John Fleck. He yep. was all over the park, had a phenomenal game, and is looking like a, a talent that n- not a lot of people knew about before the season. Yeah, somebody who I think has you know performed well this season is Fleck. And another person who I think we should be giving a shout-out to here is uh, Mr. Chris Wilder. He's just come back again after kind of a little bit of a sour a response yep. to what happened with Newcastle. Obviously, that controversial goal that Shelby scored, playing on, playing to the whistle, you know, not getting flagged for off or getting flagged for offside, but continuing on and putting the ball in the back of the net. I thought Wilder was a little bit sour after that game. I thought the way that he he really kind of criticized the the decision and kind of blamed everybody and yep. except except his own players was bad, but one of the things I I read this uh, this weekend is Chris Wilder is one of those managers who's like really coming in with fresh ideas. The overlapping center backs that he has, that he plays on a regular basis, is something that's fairly unique and um, unique to him specifically. And if his name wasn't Chris Wilder, and if this is what it said in the article, if his name was Christophe Wilder, he, <laughs> if he had a more exotic name, he'd be getting far more press than he is right oh, now. I love that take. Yeah, I feel like it's with managers and with... Uh Managers and players are the opposite in the Premier League. English players get way overhyped, a la Harry Maguire, and English managers maybe don't get the credit that they would deserve. Eric Dyer, anyone? Eric Dyer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Eric, yeah, Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer's like kind of Portuguese in a weird way. Like, he grew up in, in Portugal, but mm-hmm. nonetheless. Uh, but yeah, so Sheffield United, best defensive record in the Premier League outside the top two. That was something interesting that you pointed out. Um, and that, that's what's made them so good this year, is they mm-hmm. get the goals they need, but then they're so resolute mm-hmm. at the back. Yep, Newcastle. Can we play every week though? Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately we can't, uh, and we, we cannot. We uh, the rules we of the Premiership forbid it. That's true. Um, so Wolves in eighth, being the next club down, uh, they had a uh, you know as I mentioned that tough last minute loss uh, against Spurs on the weekend. Um, prior to that, they uh, had a two two draw. Against Brighton, and then in the middle of those two, Sandwich was a, a, a win in the Europa League, which solidified their place in the knockout stages. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that I, I really enjoy watching Wolves play. I mean, despite the fact that they lost on the weekend to Spurs, they, they're really fun to watch and attack. Uh, Jimenez and Traore, especially, combining really well. I thought Jimenez could have had one or two goals, ended up not having any. But Traore was the man of the match for them. His presence and his goal was fantastic. That guy is a physical specimen. Yeah. My God, I don't think I've ever seen a bigger footballer. Yeah, he's done really well since coming in from Barra. Somebody that I think has impressed phenomenally for me this season. And he's, like we've talked about previously, is somebody who's um, potentially been touted for a, um, a call-up to the Spain squad, to the full squad. Yeah. Which would be incredible for him. I'm sure he'd be very excited about that. Did you know that Adama Traore is one of five players named Adama Traore that currently plays professional football. And although he was born in Spain, he was able to choose between playing for Mali or Spain. And if he chose to play for Mali, he would have been the fourth Adama Traore currently on the books on the Mali national football team. Your level of knowledge astounds me as always. Isn't that that from four guys with the exact same name? I love it when you do your homework. It's fantastic. Once in a while. Uh, But yeah, Traore... Um, great game and really was the star for them unfortunately a tough loss for Wolves yep agree so let's move on to ninth Crystal Palace 
Um, they've actually uh, moved up in the table a bit since their hard run of games. They're undefeated in four now since they completed, I think, six in a row against the top six teams. Yeah, that was a wild run. Yep, so eight points from 12 for, for them. And, you know, they're, they're picking up points again. They're undefeated in those last four. Uh, and Zaha now is the man in form, I would say. Yeah, Zaha picking up that form that has made him such a highly regarded player. Uh, um, he, he really, I mean, he looked great against Brighton. Right, he he had that that really really nice goal um, against Brighton, but um, he is as he's been for many seasons really the the, the cog that makes the clock tick. Um, I did see an interesting transfer rumor today that goes back to what we were just talking about. Uh, a rumor saying Giroud plus cash for Wilfred Zaha. Ooh, interesting. Wouldn't that be an interesting swap? Do you feel like that would be a good fit for Palace? I don't think that would be a good fit for either team, okay. to be honest with you. Chelsea doesn't need more wingers. I think Wilfred Zaha would start at Chelsea, but I don't think that's the focal point of what it would improve Chelsea right. as a club. Um, that was just a funny one, and we just talked about Giroud. But, but yeah, Zaha really is the most important player for them, and they can't lose him, but they eventually will because yeah. he is way better than Crystal Palace. Well, he put in his transfer request in the summer, and he yeah, didn't we'll get it, Yeah, we'll see if it right? happens again. So it'll be interesting what happens in January for them. Um, interesting note for Crystal Palace, only Watford have scored less goals than Crystal Palace in the Premier League this season. So thank God for them they can defend because they're in ninth still. Yeah, that, that one's not terribly surprising. Uh, you know, who is the last striker at Crystal Palace that's been a prolific scorer? Uh, God, there hasn't really been that one for, for, for many years, right? Yeah, I mean, Benteke, they bought Benteke hoping he was going to be the next one, but he, he is, hasn't. He hasn't done the His career has con- them. constantly gone down. Michi Bachuai? Yeah, ooh, that was your best pronunciation ever. Thank you very much. Easily, yeah. I've been working on it. Batman was pretty good for them, um, but he was never really going to stay there. No. So. Yep. Um, but yeah, still undefeated in four games since the tough run of fixtures. Eight points from 12 uh i would be very very happy if i was a crystal palace fan right now yep let's move on to number 10 because i'm excited to hear about who's rounding out the top half of the table <laughs> so in last place in the top 10 is arsenal football club Zach. oh the 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 legendary arsenal football club the invincibles yep. from 2004 the freddie youngberg led arsenal I read something today saying that Freddie Youngberg apparently has been asked to be relieved of his duties. He's like, <laughs> I don't want to be on the sinking ship as it goes down. I don't know that that's what it is, but basically what happened is when Emery left, all of his coaches left as well. Yep. They fired, as is pretty customary, but he hasn't been allowed to bring anybody in. So basically, Freddie Youngberg is there. He has nobody to help him with organizing the team and the coaches. So he asked Per Murdersacker, who is managing the under-23s right now, to step up and help him with coaching the full team so they're basically pulling like double the work triple the work whatever it's, it's, it's like it's like parents volunteering for a little league baseball club this is terrible it's it's ridiculous that arsenal is such a who like who runs that organization crunky well crunky yeah like crunky <laughs> is the owner but like who is actually pulling the strings there it nobody seem like is. anybody nobody there, is. there's no there's no wizard of oz behind the curtain no they're just cheap oh my god it's unbelievable but yeah they as we said before they looked awful against city Horrendous defending for the first two goals. Uh, the first one I, I mentioned, uh, you know, the kind of cowardly defending on the goal line, but more so just De Bruyne had acres of space in the box. And that second goal, um, just defenders all over the place. Again, it was a tap-in for Raheem Sterling um, f- from a De Bruyne cross. Uh, yeah, it's it's symbolic at Arsenal, and I could genuinely see them finishing. Where do you think they'll finish? If you had to say right now. Seventh. Seventh? Okay. Okay, yep. so they'll just... 
they'll just pip ahead of Everton for the for the Everton Cup. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how Everton do. But that's true. Um, Arsenal. I think an interesting thing I read this weekend was Jermaine Genus um, on Match of the Day Two was talking about how. He basically felt like there was no passion, no commitment from Arsenal. And what he suggested is, is now the time to bring in the youngsters, to really kind of go with the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, he specifically had a lot of criticism for Mesut Ozil. Um, no, he looked, I mean, everyone looked bad, but he looked awful. Disinterested. Yeah, abject. Yeah. I don't know what, what happened earlier on the season with the uh, the person trying to like break into his house and stuff with Kolasinac and the and the fight trying to trying to steal their car and stuff Same like moment. that. But he's back in the team now and he's playing consistently and again he's super inconsistent with his form. It's sad because I mean we've all seen what Ozil can do. He's a world class player at the top of his form, but he haven't se- we haven't seen that form in, in a long while now. No, he's just he's just kind of one of those wasted talents, right? Yeah. I'd agree. All right. Well, that rounds out the top 10, the top half of the table. Uh, We're going to go to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we will round out the bottom half of the Premier League table. And we're back on the latter half of the Premier League table. This is the False Nine. So sitting in 11th, our lovely, lovely club, Newcastle, looking pretty weak against Burnley on the weekend. Probably our worst performance of the season, would you say? Yeah, I would say that it was pretty object from Newcastle. I will say, just from a positivity standpoint, that we are top of the table. The bottom half of the table, Zach. So true. We are top of the table. If we, were in the, if we were in the Welsh Premier League, wouldn't that mean something, isn't that? I, I don't even understand it, and I've okay. been watching it for years. Fair enough. So, Newcastle, yes, top of the bottom half, but you're right. Terrible performance against Burnley. Zero shots on target in the entire game. Um, we were without a lot of players though and I think you know a lot of people use that as excuses but we don't have the depth in our squad to be able to to supplement people being out like let's see Maximin, Shelby, Almiron none of them were able to play none of them were on the bench um, so so really struggling there obviously we still have LaSalle's out Kieran Clark was out for that game yeah um, and Matt Ritchie's still out too so every team deals with injuries but I think specifically from an attacking standpoint um, that was a really tough one to overcome for us absolutely I mean it you know it pointed out the lack of depth at Newcastle but that's not a new story that's been the case for as long as I can remember to be honest with you not having those you know those substitutes that you can feel bring the same level of quality into the club uh, um, yeah I, I think you know Zero shots on target against Burnley. It was no sugarcoating it. It was awful. It was horrible to watch. Um, Dwight Gale, though, could have gotten us a point, missed a sitter, um, reinforces that he is maybe the most championship striker to ever play in England. Uh, West Brom don't need him, though. West Brom don't need him. Yeah, flying away with the the championship championship title right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I'd say for Newcastle, it it was a tough game to watch. Uh, Joe Linton on the wing was... a complete desperation move well that was something that they had said they wanted to try because he'd played there when he was in germany Uh um so they when he was at hoffenheim he played on the wing and he was pretty successful there i'll be honest with you joe linton for me might be one of the worst signings in the premier league this season i i i still have hope for joe linton and i still try to defend joe linton because i do think like one goal one goal he's played every minute of every game pretty much yeah. All right. So, so I can't defend him too heavily, but I do think as a new signing, you are a bit of a product of your environment and the supply for him. You can't deny that there's been almost supply no supply. Has not, supply has not been good. But what really worries me about Joel Linton is his lack of urgency, is his lack of commitment. The fact that he's a winger and Paul Dummett is further up the field than Joel Linton on numerous occasions 
shocking to me. He almost got himself sent off in that game as well. He did. I, I think that he's just kind of been shell-shocked by the whole experience of moving to Newcastle. Like, not, nothing has gone right. Um, and he probably, he probably again, no excuses, but he probably feels fairly isolated and lonely just you know, as a whole in Newcastle. Boo-hoo. No, I agree. You're a professional footballer. Suck it up. You get paid £40 million for this striker. And he comes in, and I'm sure he's on a pretty healthy wage there at Newcastle. Figure it out. You're, you're the top you're the top signing we've ever had. We've doubled our transfer record to bring him in as somebody who's going to come in and basically replace the goals that Rondon brought last season. He's been garbage. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but that's like that's a criticism of Lee Charnley, Mike Ashley, and whoever decided to pay 40 mil for him. Like, Rafa Benitez has made clear that he had no interest in signing Joe Linton while he was there. So I agree, the criticism of Joe Linton has to be present. He has been awful when he has had opportunities, but... You can make an argument that the bigger problem at hand is that Solomon Rondon should be the starting striker for Newcastle. We shouldn't have had to find a new striker. I know. Especially a man who's never played in the Premier League. No sell-on value. Yeah, no sell-on value. The, that was the reason, right? Yeah. Who's so, going to buy this garbage? I mean, you... We, 40 million pounds for him? Who's going to pay more than 40 million pounds for this crap? Oh, nobody. Well, and that's why that's why it's an issue is you're stuck with him now because it's you can't buy low... Buy... High sell low with yeah. a striker, especially. Look at um, say Max, eighteen million. You could get like double that for him now, even based on his performances so far. This even season. though he on yeah on goals and assists hasn't yeah. looked impressive at all. But you're right, it's that influential nature. Uh, again, I think I, I say Maxman being out for it looks like about a month is going to be a big issue, especially with the crowded fixture list. I know that Newcastle, you know, again another thing we've said for years, not a lot of creativity in that. Team, we have Palace and then Man United, Everton, Leicester. Um, Leicester Jesus. on New Year's Day could see us not getting a point from any of those matches. Yeah, I mean, we've got to beat Palace, basically. Got to beat Palace. And then hope for, for the best of the other ones. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, but I, I think that Newcastle this season, I hate to say this because we are looking good at the moment, but like... There's no goal besides survival, right? No. Mid-table finish? Absolutely not. That yeah. talk of that talk of Europe was, I think, overstated by Shelby. There's there's no chance. No. There's no there's no shot. It will be important to get Shelby back, though. Yeah. It will be important for his Euro 2020 mm-hmm. chances as well. Mm-hmm. Slim as they may be. Um, top he, scorer for us. Top scorer for us. He has looked pretty impressive recently. Um, but, yeah, it's just... I mean, we, we, we watch it again and again and we know what's going to happen mm-hmm. and it, the creative midfielder gets injured eventually because creative midfielders always get injured and we lose everything we have yep exactly it's so tough. it's going to be tough watching newcastle through the rest of the year 22 points though 17 games in you know would have taken that before the start of the season for sure 11th place so hopefully you can pick up some unexpected points in the next few games and continue on to to safety. Six more wins to go. Yeah, I can't wait to lose in the third round of the FA Cup to some fourth division. It's club. Rochdale. Is it officially Rochdale? It's officially away at Rochdale. Okay, that is the. We most... might actually see one win in December. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll see about that. Um, so Burnley, the club that beat us in our last match, uh, sitting right behind us in twelfth. Um, you know, a typical Burnley win doesn't doesn't matter how it happens. Route one football. They, they, they got the goal they needed uh, from from Chris Wood, the, Chris the gigantor, Wood. the Jack and the Beanstalk-like player um, on... New uh, Zealand's finest export. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that for Burnley, 
it you know the, the kind of unofficial motto is it doesn't matter how we win we win games it seems like none of their fans are even upset about you know these no. ugly performances no, it's kind of what they love about the club I would say they do it's one of those kind of teams that it's hard not to like for that reason um, Sean Dyche obviously has them playing this great Route 1 football an interesting stat that I read was that if we were looking at home and away league form in the Premier League Burnley on their home form would actually be in 6th place in the table hmm that's an interesting one. I mean, Turf Moor is, not, I wouldn't go as far as saying a fortress, but you know they've always been a better team at home than they have away. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's interesting, though. I, I like that stat. Um, and so Brighton in 13th is another team that's kind of sneakily been in a, a, a good bit of form. They're undefeated in their last three matches, a, a win against Arsenal, followed by a draw against Wolves, now a draw against Palace that we mentioned. Uh, another team, I would say Brighton and Newcastle are fairly interchangeable right now in terms of you know expectations and kind of how they're playing. Lack of creativity um, for for Brighton, except for your man of the week. That's right, Adam. Stamp of approval goes to Mr. Neil Mope. Um, talks about him potentially getting call up to the France squad. He's still only 23. Three goals in three games for Mope, and he took his goal really well against Palace. Been very impressed with him recently. He's the guy they brought in from Brentford to try and bag them some goals to replace the skeleton that is Glenn Murray, and he's been doing it really, really well. Zach, yeah, it'll be it'll be entertaining to see him ride the bench for France for the next seven years. As <laughs> their their team is not short of a million million midfielders and wingers that can do that job. That is true. Yeah, but in- interesting uh, story for him. He actually grew up in Versailles in France, which is basically where all of the big players kind of grew up. Thierry Henry kind of came from that hmm. region in Paris as well. So. Um, interesting story for Mr. Mope. Anyway, on to my favorite team in the Premier League in 14th, <laughs> Bournemouth. <laughs> a huge win for the Cherries. Yeah. An Best ugly, manager in the Premier League, Eddie Howe, comes back from all of the rumors about him potentially getting sacked with a terrible run of form, and he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to just go ahead and win at Chelsea because this loss or this not winning form has gone on long enough, Zach. Well put, as eloquent as always, Adam. Uh, but yeah, it was a massive win. Former former Magpie Watch of the Week, Dan Gosling. Does he get your stamp of approval? Absolutely gets my stamp of approval. Uh, mainly because uh, a long VAR check on that goal yep. rightly gave him the goal, mm-hmm. um, as as he you know right, rightly so, as I said. Um, and what I loved about that is that despite the long, like, five-minute VAR check, his celebration was as intense as it would have been previous. Sprinted over to the bench after just standing there waiting, like, without moving for five minutes. Yeah, good to see a former Newcastle starlet succeeding with a different team. That is a weird part of VAR for sure. I actually wrote in my notes here, who knew that Dan Gosling was still alive? So he's, yeah. he's still doing it. I remember him actually scoring a goal against Newcastle for Bournemouth a couple seasons ago. I remember that as well. Yeah, he seems like from because he was with Newcastle. What like the turn of the decade? Yeah, I think he came from Everton originally. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but but yeah, so yeah, a massive win for Bournemouth. Still awful run of form, but that, hopefully that that takes them off it. Uh, they have Burnley, Arsenal, and Brighton in their next three. So you know, I certainly could see them getting a, a decent load of points from that. Nine well, nine points right there. Ars- yeah. Arsenal there for the taking right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I I would say seven, but I, I like I like the confidence there. Dybrook's being... Three points against Arsenal. Who are they dropping points against? Ooh, they'll drop points. Uh, is their game against Burnley? Where is that being played? It's at Dean Court. So let's say they'll drop away at Brighton. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Di Brooks being out injured though is is a tough one to see. Yeah, he's he's somebody when he comes back is going to make a huge difference yeah. for or them. Having having been out injured since the summer, continuing yeah. to be out injured. Yeah, he's he's basically um, he was on scheduled to come back in November, and unfortunately, it's a little bit worse ankle injury than first first mentioned. Didn't he re-aggra- he reaggravated in training? I he think. did. Yeah, yeah, he did. So uh, they don't know when he's going to be back, but I'm really hoping. Obviously, he's an important player for Wales and Euros, so I'm hoping that come next June he's back. For for Wales and Euros, yeah, mm-hmm. that would, that would be good, you know, to lead to lead you to the title that you've never had. Hey, you got to the semifinals last time, Zach. That's true. Just saying, knocked out Belgium. If if Hal, Hal, if Hal Robson, Robson Connor is not on Hal the pitch, you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> uh, legend has it that defender is still looking for where the ball is. <laughs> That's right. Uh, like, Where's he? He did what? Yeah. So so Bournemouth uh, getting a very very vital win to to pick them off the ground a little bit. West Ham, uh, a team that continues to underperform, and a manager that somehow still has a job. Yeah, Pellegrini is hanging on by a thread. You said this about Solskjaer. I thought it was a bit harsh on him earlier on that he's hanging on by a thread. But just as you think that Pellegrini might be on the ropes again, he comes back and gets a little sneaky win um, at Southampton. <laughs> Sebastian Allaire back on the score sheet again. Finally. Um, but yeah, they lost to Wolves and Arsenal before that. Jungberg's only win was against West Ham. That tells its own story. Um, so interesting for them is that Arsenal actually have no games now until Boxing Day. Or West Ham. Uh, sorry, yeah, they West Ham have no more games until mm-hmm. Boxing Day. That's right. They're going to be playing at Palace. Reason being, they initially were scheduled to play Liverpool this weekend, and then with a club, FIFA Club or a Cup thing, they have a postponed game. So a little bit of a break for West Ham. So maybe, just maybe, Mr. Pellegrini makes it to 2020. Yeah, that that would be. I mean, I think he probably, unless they get beat pretty soundly by Palace, that would be. That might be a nail in the coffin. Palace can't score to save their lives. Yeah, like that's that. true. Um, but yeah, they, they do have off until Boxing Day, and then uh, at two matches in three days. That'll be that'll be a test. Second one coming um, against Leicester. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how long mm. Pellegrini stays there. I, I, it would be shocking to me if he makes it until the summer. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if that happened, but he just keeps hanging on. Yeah. I think there's just a feeling there at West Ham, in a sense I've said this before from the fans, that they couldn't do much better yeah, in we terms have of manager than Pellegrini. I would say, do you know who the, the top name should be to go after? Who's that? Rafa Benitez. Hmm. Without a job right now. The Chinese season has ended. I don't think he's without a job, right? He's still under contract there. He's still under contract, but but yeah. currently not Currently working. not. Yeah, working. fine, fair enough. Yeah. Currently not working. He, I mean, I mean Arsenal rumored to be... Getting in contact with him, I think if I was West Ham, I would certainly put your feelers out, even if you're liking what Pellegrini is doing recently. If you can get manager of that class. I would. You know another team that actually probably would feel really, really good about having a manager that is way bigger than them? Who would that be? Everton Football Club in 16th. Rumors that Carlo Ancelotti is going to be appointed this week. All, all but all but confirmed. Sky Sports reported it. It, it does seem like it's it's done and dusted. A shock one there. Um, yeah. After, uh, you know, ex-player, ex-Everton legend Duncan Ferguson undefeated in his three matches as the interim manager, but it really did seem like kind of only a matter of time, especially after what happened with uh, the, the Moyes Keane incident in the game mm-hmm. on the weekend. Yeah, the Moise Keane incident was a shocker. If anybody hasn't seen this, essentially what happened is Keane came on as a substitute in the 70th minute um, and then was pulled off as substitute in the 89th in a purely strategic move, apparently, from Duncan Ferguson um, because he wanted to kill some time towards the end of the game. Decided to bring off Keane, bring on another defender for that um, and try and hang on to that 1-1 draw that he had. But I think 
Aside from that, uh, one of the things that was highlighted there was that he offered no explanation to Keane as he left the field. He didn't acknowledge him, shake his hand, pat him on the back, nothing. He just let him walk off the field. Whereas I think the comparison is how um, Brendan Rodgers is somebody who like really embraces all the players as they leave the field. Mm-hmm. And there's the difference between them. And, and you know, Ferguson is obviously brand new at this. He's not going to be the long-term solution for Everton, as we know. Lots to learn for him. But Moise Keane you got to be looking at that as a player that was brought in the summer for big money and just thinking, like, am I wanted here at all? Yeah, it's it's a, a wildly unprofessional thing to do. Mm-hmm. And Duncan Ferguson, you know, has kind of, in, in his short-term uh, stint as Everton manager, which is now ending, really was trying to kind of have this macho man image, I think. You know, not wearing the jacket and, and just parading down the, the touchline. Uh, so maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's... It, you know, it's it's people skills. It's being able to not only manage the players from a tactical perspective, but psychologically as well. Um, and obviously, did not give any thinking to that. Uh, yeah, just a, a really nasty thing to do, I would say, for for a player who's has not been playing terribly well since joining Everton. A young player who does kind of seem lost in the Premier League. Um, it t- certainly can't help his confidence to play 19 minutes and come out yeah. um, without an injury. And he doesn't seem to have had the chance either. We talked about Joe Linton earlier on, but comparing the two of those players, Joe Linton's played pretty much every minute of every game. Yeah. Moise Keane's just had these like fleeting moments for, for Everton where he started a game or he's come on for the last 15 minutes or so or sometimes where he hasn't even come on at all. So I feel like uh, it'll be interesting to see um, Ancelotti, how he uses him. And I think we will get to listener questions down the line. That's one of the questions that I think we're going to answer too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is a good question. Um, and so so Everton sitting in 16th, the, the one last team who is outside of the drop zone, Aston Villa, um, but not in a very good run of form at the moment. No, they've lost five of their last seven. They've only gotten four points from 21. And their only win in those seven games was against Newcastle mm-hmm. in that Monday night game. Um, they've been shut out only in one of those games, though. So they've actually been scoring a decent amount of goals recently. And the last game against Sheffield United and that 2-0 loss was the one that they were shut out in. Um, Villa surprisingly have the worst away record in the Premier League. Why is that surprising? Um, I, I just didn't wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I would think that it would be somebody like in the, a Watford. In the bottom three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's to, fair. To be there, I think their, their home form is good, but it's not great. Um, so to see them in 17th isn't a surprise. Grealish missed a penalty in that game again. Um, yeah, that it was a poor penalty as well. If you're going up the mm-hmm. middle, you going up the middle. I've always, I've always liked going up the middle on a penalty, but the one thing is it is the narrowest of windows because you go too low and it hits the foot, and you go too high and it hits the crossbar, which is what happened to Grealish there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're, I, I would make a comparison of Grealish and Zaha, uh, largely in the fact that they are kind of the one man show at their yeah. respective clubs. Yeah, very very good comparison there. I, th- I think as well. Some somebody I want to give a shout out to who uh, I think is a great player is John McGinn, our our former host of the False Nines, Gus. Um, who is obviously a very proud Scotsman. Uh, he always talks about John McGinn as a fellow Scotsman, and he has a little nickname for him. He calls him McGinniesta. That's so. one of the better ones. Yep. That's not Forrest. That, yep. that works. That yep. plays. <laughs> that's, that's not the ginger Pierlo. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. The Welsh Pierlo. The, the, the Welsh Pierlo. Joe the Allen. Pierlo. Uh, legend. I wish he was ginger. Uh, no, I'm talking about Jack Colback, of course. Oh, you're talking about Jack Colback. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were talking about Joe Allen. No, Joe Allen is the greatest footballer ever graced here. <laughs> he sure is. I'm going to get that shirt from you one day. Absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, Villa really kind of talked about holding on by a thread. I could easily see them get getting swept up in this uh, relegation battle, which would it would be really interesting to see what happens with with Grealish if 
hypothetically, if they were to get relegated. I know you mentioned last time you don't think there's a shot he leaves his club, but kid's name is getting bigger and bigger every day. If they went down, I think there's a shot. Okay. I think if they can feed in the bottom half of the table, I think he's there until basically forever. I think he's proud to be managing, be a captain in that team. So, yeah, hometown team. All right. I don't agree, but but we'll see what happens. Everyone has a prize. Uh, uh, And so now the, the bottom three, the dreaded trio at the bottom of the table Mm -hmm. starting off with Southampton sitting in 18th uh, and it it was a a tough loss against West Ham and I I think mainly because Southampton performed quite well in that match maybe a bit better than they should have but uh, Danny Ings finally off the score sheet. Yeah, he had one ruled out um, for a foul in the build-up by Gineppo, so uh, he's still in that good form, and surprisingly, he's actually in the top scorer charts right now. He's nine goals in the Premier League this season, Danny Ings. Who would have seen that coming? He's around, he's around. He's he's still still in a career. I think he's still in a career indeed. But um, it's actually the first time that Southampton have failed to score in seven games. The last time they failed to score was that famous 9-0 loss against Leicester. (sighs) That, I mean, that could easily be the game that sends them down. That game alone, goal goal differential, yeah, absolutely. Because nobody outside the the bottom three has a goal differential uh, in minus double digits. I know that that was kind of a wordy sentence, but what I mean by that: Southampton, Norwich, and Watford, respectively, minus eighteen, minus seventeen, and minus twenty-three. Nobody is even at minus ten. Besides that, Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, I think that goal differential, as always, can can play a huge part. Especially right now, you see Villa ahead on goal differential with the same amount of points as Southampton. Yeah, Ralph Hasenhutl really hanging on by a thread right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he certainly could be next to go. Would <laughs> would he get your vote as next to go? Right now, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. We've gotten rid of some of the some of the players or some of the managers that we thought were really on the brink. I think the only other one that I would say maybe in there would be Pellegrini. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. And Freddie, so, Freddie Newberg, maybe. Yeah, Freddie Newberg. He's not really a manager. <laughs> Duncan, Duncan Ferguson? Duncan, well, yeah, yeah, but like that's... <laughs> Technicalities. Really grasping at straws now. Technicalities. So Norwich in, in 19th, as we've mentioned, um, uh, getting a, a very vital draw on the weekend uh, right. against Leicester, as, as we said. Can uh, we play you every week? Can we play you every week? It would give them... 38 points, which would probably be safety, honestly. <laughs> probably would. Uh, but yeah, you know, an important draw. Uh, Timu Puki, you know, back, back in the, the team of the week discussion for that performance. Yeah, scoring for club and country. Timu Puki is a great striker. Happy to see him back on the score sheet. Another player for Norwich who uh, we talked about at the beginning of the season who's really pulling the strings now and is making a lot of teams of the week pretty consistently is Emi Buendia fantastic player somebody who I think is a real steal for Norwich who they got when they were down in the championship and is making the step up really really well so happy to see Norwich doing a little bit better in recent weeks Um, you know they're still within touching distance of obviously surviving in the Premier League just three points off of safety right now Mm -hmm. also the the second former former magpie watch to score on the weekend Tim Krul scoring an own goal an own in goal. that match. So we have now Dan Gosling and Krul, who played together. Krul got a shot on target. He did, yeah. <laughs> Krul is now tied with Jesse Lingard for shots on target on the season. There you go. Uh, all right, let's let's finish with the bottom of the table. That bottom of the table team, Watford. Nigel Pearson, we mentioned him earlier on. Um, I thought that was a really interesting appointment for them. He did a couple caretaker stints um, for Newcastle and then managed Leicester Leicester. a couple times as well. So somebody who's got Premier League experience. um, Was he brought on right when they uh, sacked... um, uh, Who are you talking about? 
won the title with them? Ranieri. Did did Pearson come on when they? No, he came in before that. So okay. he, oh, it was Craig Shakespeare right after that. Craig Shakespeare, yeah. yeah. So um, I think actually he was part of. I think Shakespeare was part of Pearson's coaching staff. Oh, interesting. So first time Pearson came on, they were down in League One. He got them promoted back to the Championship, and then he's always been one of those managers that has had like frosty relationships with owners or has gotten into like scuffles with people and um he's definitely got a reputation that precedes him but he's somebody that's gotten results everywhere he's gone 41 percent win rate as a manager which is pretty impressive it's not bad yeah i mean especially with some of the teams that he's managed they haven't been like top of the table teams per se (laughs) and nor is watford yeah Uh, (laughs) they are bottom of the table they are bottom of the table so yeah that i mean that rounds out the 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 20 premier league clubs Uh, as a reminder the top four liverpool flying well higher above everyone else Leicester, Man City, and Chelsea round out the Champions League spots, and then Southampton, Norwich, and Watford, which will be probably how the bottom three ends. Cool. All right, well, let's pivot over. We're going to talk a little bit about our prediction contest so far this season, and then we'll talk about our predictions for match week 18. So as you might have heard in the last pod, we made some predictions for the week 16 of the Premier League. Zach actually beat me 7-5 to five that week. Huge win. Which was a much, much better performance from both of us. It was 3-3 three, three the previous week. So yeah. we both correctly predicted a game. Um, he predicted 3-0 win for Liverpool at Bournemouth. I predicted Newcastle to win 2-1 against Southampton. There you go. I know my team, Zachary. There you go. And know I know my team. And I know the best team. <laughs> you, you certainly do. I picked 3-1 in that game, so I had to go with my heart with Bournemouth. So. There you go. Um, but current score is 10-8 to you, Zach. So this means this is a vital week for me in terms of being able to claw myself back. So let's start with the Saturday games. Um, the early game this weekend is Everton at home against Arsenal. Everton, who could have a new manager in Ancelotti in charge. 16th for them, 10th Arsenal coming to town. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, I initially said 2 0, but or 2 2, but I'm going to say 2 0 Arsenal or Everton. Excuse me. 2 0 Everton. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that prediction there. I, I just think, you know, the new manager bounce. Uh, how unnervy everything is at Arsenal. Uh, I could see Everton getting a victory here. Okay. All right. I like that one. I'm going to go with 2-1 Everton for this one. Um, I think Arsenal will get on the score sheet after the debacle last week against Manchester City, so I can see them scoring. They've still got Aubameyang and Lacazette, but I don't see them winning this game either. No. Both Everton for this one. They're quite bad. Uh, Next match, Bournemouth hosting Burnley, two bottom half clubs, both coming off wins, that being said. The only uh, matchup this weekend with actually two it? winning teams. Okay. Yeah. I have it at 1-1. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think that um, neither team has a ton of goal threat at the moment, but I, I see Chris Wood and let's go with who scores for Bournemouth. Dan Gosling, two in a row, two on the bounce. Wow, that's a bold prediction. I like that one. Um, I'm going to go for an even bolder prediction of Bournemouth win their second game in a row, and they do it by keeping a second clean sheet in a row. I'm going for 1-0 Bournemouth with the winner, of course, coming from the king of Corwin. Harry Wilson. Harry Wilson. Uh, the loney from, from Liverpool. That's that, right. They'll lose eventually. Uh, next match, uh, two bottom feeders. This is a six-pointer. It's Villa hosting Southampton, both coming off losses. Uh, neither of which scored in their last match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Grealish puts two past Southampton, 2-1 win Villa. All right, I like that one. I'm going to go for a 2-2 here. Uh, again, Villa haven't been as impressive as home as, uh, in, in recent weeks as they have before. So I think that this one's going to be a draw. Southampton need the points. They can't afford to lose it. They're in 18th. They need to keep pace with Villa. 2-2 draw for me. All right, uh, next match. It's Brighton hosting Sheffield United, the 13th place club. 
That's number seven on the table. Uh, John Fleck, four goals in two games after this one. They're going to wow. win 2 0. You're, you're enjoying all these braces that teams are apparently going to yeah. score this weekend. Yeah, I like but John Fleck. He's a, he's a fun little player. He's a good player. I, I like Fleck as well. I am going for, in this one, a 1 1 draw, though. Okay. I think Neil Mope gets on the score sheet. I'm not sure who will score for Sheffield United, but we're going to go for Mope for Brighton. So 1 1 draw for me. All right, so this is the, the big question of the fixtures it's Newcastle in 11th. Hosting Crystal Palace. I think this one largely comes down to if anybody comes back for Newcastle. Are they fit? Uh, are they fit? Um, I'm gonna let's do some role reversal here. I'll be the positive one. Say we nick a hideous one nil victory against Palace. All right, I'm gonna be a little bit more pessimistic. I think on my side, Crystal Palace don't score a lot of goals, so it'd be easy to go for a nil nil draw. But I'm gonna go for a one one here. Okay. We typically tend to score at home, so. 1-1 one, one for me, a point for Newcastle, and probably a valuable point, I'd say, if you guys up to 23. Yeah, I mean, we know what happened last time DeAndre Edlin had to match up against Zaha, so That's um, right. hopefully Mankio can do a bit better on, on that right wing. Fingers uh, crossed. On, on the right back. Uh, so Norwich hosting Wolves in the next match. Uh, Wolves coming off that you know, hard-fought loss against Spurs. I think they get a fairly comfortable victory. I, I'll go 3-1 Wolves on this one. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there that Wolves come out victorious. I'm going for a 2-1 win. Pookie on the score sheet again, but Wolves just too strong for Norwich, I think. Yeah, all right. And the, Game of the weekend. The marquee matchup of the weekend. It's City hosting Leicester, number three in the table against number two. Uh, important to note that it, even if City wins this match, Leicester will still be sitting in second as they're currently <laughs> four points above City. Uh, but no, I think no bias they, they widen that gap. Leicester walks into Manchester, walks out with a 2-1 victory. Jamie Vardy up to 18 goals on the season. Wow. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win as well, but I'm going to go for Manchester City. So this oh. one could be interesting for the sake of our prediction game. That is true, yeah. All right, so we're now going to move on to the Sunday-Monday fixtures. Uh, Sunday, it's Watford against Manchester United. As we said, Watford not awful in their last match against Liverpool, but I don't think they have what it takes to, to keep up with Man United in this one. I'm going to go 3-1 Man U. All right, I, I, I could see that happening for sure. I'm going to go for a little bit of a surprise here, though. Nigel Pearson's first game at home is Watford manager. I say Watford sneak a point here, 1-1. Oh, Okay. I could see that, I, I, you know, as we've said, despite their hideous, hideous streak, they, they've looked all right in a few matches, and yeah. Man United, known to slip up. Uh, final game of the weekend, I would say that actually also a marquee matchup, just a little bit less so than City. Leicester, uh, we have Spurs hosting Chelsea. This one, I cannot wait to watch. Great game. A lot of goals London, in this one. London Derby. London Derby, uh, a lot of goals in this one. It's... Mourinho against Chelsea. So many subplots of this. That's I'm gonna great. go three three. Let's 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 uh, let's see a club. I like that. Something okay. that we'll see as a Premier League classic in years to come. Fantastic. Uh, I am actually gonna err on the side of Mr. Jose Mourinho, and I'm gonna go with three one Spurs. Oh. Mourinho already lost to one of his former teams. He's not gonna want that to happen again. This at Spurs. Um, I think they come out pretty comfortable winners in this one. Okay. Who gets the goals? For Spurs, I think Son has to be on the score sheet again. Yeah, Harry, Kane, Harry Kane probably hasn't scored as many goals recently as he would like. So let's mm -hmm. go for two for Kane, one for Son. All right. I like that. Mura, uh, zero goals. Legend. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, that are those are the predictions for the weekend. We'll, we'll check back in on our next episode to see who is in the lead. Um, but to, to speak on the scoring charts for the Premier League, as Adam alluded to before, Jamie Vardy, really just putting up an outstanding season. It's now 16 goals in 17 matches. Uh, puts him on pace, as I mentioned before, to break that 
goal record that most lost set a number of years ago with 35. That's what pace mm-hmm. Vardy has now. Uh, and second, Aubameyang and Tammy Abraham, five goals behind Vardy. Does mm-hmm. that speak more to more so to Vardy's dominance or just kind of the goal drought that other teams have seen? Yeah, I think... You- in fairness, I think he's the best striker in the Premier League, Jamie Vardy, this season. I think that he's been world-class. He could have scored easily in that last game against Norwich as well. It was very unfortunate with a couple efforts that he had. Aubameyang and Abraham haven't had the same service potentially that Vardy has had. I think, you know, they're, he's playing in a better team than both of those two, um, just as far as the, the full dynamic of the team is concerned. But yeah, Vardy, Vardy for me, best striker in the Premier League right now, without a shadow of a doubt, and his goals for is, is, is really displaying that. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned it, that that he didn't get that goal on the weekend because I misspoke earlier, said that he's still on that consecutive goal streak. But you're right, the goal ruled an own goal by Tim Krul. Mm-hmm. So important to note. Uh, but yeah, that, that rounds out the uh, the top two. Um, do you think anybody has a shot of even getting close to Vardy? I don't think so. Not at this point. I mean, there's some interesting players in there. Rashford has 10 goals, then a clutch of players on nine. Ings, Kane, Salah, Sterling. Mane, Aguero, Puki. I can't see any of those guys necessarily catching Vardy. If anybody in there specifically I thought might be able to, for me, it's Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a good shout. Kane is always, you know, he's always threatening to put up a, a couple hat tricks. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I think that Jamie Vardy will, will certainly win uh, the, the Golden Boot this season. Uh, and so, yeah, the, that brings us to our uh, next commercial break. After that, we will be jumping into your microphone moment and then rounding it out with our two cornerstone sections, Armchair Pundits and 10 and 90. All right, we're back with your microphone moment. This is the section in the podcast where we actually take listener questions. Um, Pretty much anything goes here. You can ask us whatever you want, any football-related. It can be Premier League or otherwise. Um, If you're interested in sending us a question, do send it over to our email address. It's thefalse9spodcast at gmail.com. That's thefalse9spodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's start with Sam in Denver. We got four questions this week. Sam asked us, some of the top clubs in the world are publicly traded companies. How much of an impact do game results have on those teams' stock prices? I'll come to you first, Zach. <laughs> I, I wish you didn't. Uh, that's a, 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 First of all, Sam, fantastic question. Um, I genuinely don't know the answer to that. If if I had known that this was a question prior to recording, I, I might have done a little bit of research. Did you look into this at all? Because I know that you uh, were able to have a glance at the questions before we recorded. I did a little bit. So um, I looked into kind of the most important or the most kind of common um, publicly traded companies in the Premier League and otherwise. So there are seven teams that are publicly traded. Um, top of that list with the two, Green Bay Packers 2.8 billion valuation is Manchester United Chivas Regals Manchester United Chivas Regals um, was it the 40th anniversary <laughs> <laughs> sorry for all the commercials guys uh, but yeah Chivas Regal Manchester United are number one in that list Arsenal Roma Juventus Lazio Celtic and Rangers so those are the seven teams that are the most famous publicly traded companies I did a little bit of research into this and I would say that in, in general, what I what I found was that game results typically don't have an impact on those. What really do is the um, player signings. So a, a really good example of that for Juventus was Cristiano Ronaldo. The day he signed for Juventus, their stock prices skyrocketed. Um, so like bringing in players, bringing in a lot of those kind of um, like high value players does a lot in terms of the valuation of those publicly traded companies. And then another thing I read was um, a lot of the big signings that they make to appease fan bases are actually funded from a lot of those 
stakeholder money that's put into the teams as well. Makes sense. So, so that's interesting to see that, you know, maybe it's another avenue for those teams to be able to compete at a higher level. You look at those teams, especially Man U, Arsenal, Juventus would be the ones that stand out for me, maybe even Celtic. They have a lot of backing as well. And it's not only coming from the owners of the teams, given that they're publicly traded. That's really interesting. Hmm. I want to look more into that because I, I haven't really thought about publicly traded football clubs prior to this question. But yeah, very good question, Sam. Yeah. So let's go on to question number two. Uh, this is from our buddy Greg. Greg in Las Vegas. Our co our co co-podcaster. That's right. At Coming Home Newcastle. From the Coming Home Newcastle family, Mr. Greg Troxel asked us, who will finish higher in the Premier League this season? Everton? Or Newcastle, Zach? Good question, Greg. So currently Newcastle is sitting four points above Everton, uh, although it's a five-place-in-the-table five gap, uh, only four points. Uh, i I got to go with my head and not my heart here. I think that Everton, once Angelotti comes in, uh, they have much more talent than Newcastle, much more quality and depth. Uh, again, I want to continue to harp on that for Newcastle uh, something that Newcastle doesn't have something that Everton does I think um, that Everton finishes let's say 10 points in the table higher than us yeah I, I think very simply what I'd say is I think Everton finishes top half and I think Newcastle finishes bottom half yeah so I, I do th- I agree with you there that Everton will be higher in the league and one of the reasons why I think they'll be higher in the league is because they have Carlo Ancelotti coming in and this leads us right into our third question Stephen England asked, is Carlo Ancelotti the right man for Everton, and will he be able to get the best out of Moise Keane? The right man for Everton is a bit of an oxymoron because it seems as though they can't get it right at the moment. David uh, Moyes was the right man for Everton for mm, a long time. He was the right man for Everton for the longest time, but still they, they kept scratching at the ceiling and they weren't ever able to break through. Um, I, I do think obviously the game has changed quite a bit since Moyes was on Merseyside, but I, I'd say Angelotti's not the wrong man. I think he's a lot closer to the right man than Marco Silva was, who had no command of the team and and just seemed like a lifeless being on the Mm -hmm. sideline, you know you're not going to get that out of Angelotti. He's a world-class manager. He's managed world-class clubs. Um, For me, top five managers in my lifetime. Really? Incredible manager. Yeah. I mean, a great player manager as well. And that leads to the second part. Can he get the best out of Moise Keane? There's a shot there. Uh, two Italians. That's mm-hmm. a very important thing. You know, if Moise Keane has felt kind of a bit alone at that club, that won't hurt it. Um, and I, I think that Ancelotti has that ability that Mourinho does as well. Uh, they, they share that ability to take a player who might be in a bit worse form and kind of you know motivate them to get to their their top talent. I think it'll be interesting to see what he does with him too. Does he start start him from the beginning of the game? Does he bring him on a sub? So I, I truly think that. Ancelotti is the right man for Everton. The Moise Keane thing, I think, is the only real wild card in that conversation. All right, so we're moving on to our fourth and final questionnaire. This is a wordy one. Uh, So Rich in England asked, with the draw for the Euros having taken place, what do you think the chances are of all the home nations doing well and who will win the tournament overall? Now, Adam, do you want to specify what home nations he is referring to? Yeah, so with Rich being in England, when he speaks of the home nations, he's talking about basically um, the United Kingdom. So he's talking about England and Wales who have already qualified. And then there's the potential that Northern Ireland or Republic of Ireland could qualify via the playoffs. If they win their respective first round games in the playoffs, they would play each other. So both of them cannot qualify. And then, of course, could qualify. I don't know. How is that possible? I don't know. Too big of a tournament if Scotland could still qualify. It's pretty. Can can you imagine seeing McGinney Esther? 
Ooh, in the Euros, just yeah, it'd wow. be phenomenal. That that would be remarkable. Uh, to answer your question, though, I and I, I do like that question. I, I think England's in the conversation as a team that has a shot to win it after yeah, their they have uh, to be right their performance in the World Cup. I would say they're like I would, I would describe England as kind of tier one A right now. I'd say that France, Germany, and now let's put England as as that kind of lowest team in t- t- tier mm-hmm. A. I'd say France, Germany, Spain, England. A lot of people are back in the Netherlands, but I don't know if you saw Memphis Depay got a really bad injury for, ACL for Leon Torres ACL. Yeah. If he misses it, he's that, gonna he's gonna be out for his basically what they've said. Is he okay? Yeah. Because I was gonna, I've, I've been saying for months that Netherlands is my dark horse pick. Yeah. Uh, they've been looking good in qualification, but that's that's a massive injury for them. Wales uh, a bit de- habitual semifinalists. <laughs> The word, habitu- the word habitual has really gone to shit. It'll be now. habitual when they go for the second time in a row. We'll see what happens with yeah. Wales. They they are a wild card if there ever has been one. I think that Wales will win the Euro 2020s. Um, I think that England will be knocked out in the group stages. <laughs> and I think that Scotland will qualify for the tournament and make it to the semifinal again. Uh, the last one you don't even believe. But, but I don't believe any of those <laughs> things. <are> just- <laughs> yeah, stranger things have happened. It's true. Yeah. It's true. All right. Uh, okay, so we've got two segments left in the podcast. Let's move on, my friend, to Armchair Pundits. As a reminder for our new listeners, this is a section of the pod where we basically make an outrageous statement and try and back it up with facts or just opinions. Yeah, I, I think I kind of went a bit too mainstream with mine this week, to be honest with you. Uh, not really outrageous. I just My Armchair Pundits is more something that I would very much so stand behind. And that is that Kevin De Bruyne is by far and away the best player in the Premier League hmm. of any position. Okay. And I think it's, I mean, you kind of touched on this before. Like, he is just the full package. When mm-hmm. he's healthy, ball distributing, probably the best in the Premier League. Or mm-hmm. if not, you know, top three. Uh, tracks back. Uh, the, his performance as an attacker in that, in that match against Arsenal was unfathomably good. If he scored that curler that hit the crossbar, that actually a great... Great save by Burn Leno yep. to put it off against the crossbar. Yep. crossbar. But if, he, if that went in, that might have been the best hat trick I've ever seen in the Premier League. Phenomenal. He's not even a striker. He's not even a striker. Uh, and let me actually, let me let me take this to a real armchair pundit's discussion. If De Bruyne stays at Man City for, let's say, five more seasons, he will be regarded as a top five midfielder in Premier League history. See, that's where I disagree, is I don't think he will. I think De Bruyne leaves City and I think he leaves the Premier League and okay. I think he heads on to pastures new at some point maybe yeah. two three years online. conditional on him stay, if he stayed he, he could he, he could be yeah for sure i don't disagree with that i think okay. he's an amazing player no but i, I agree I, I see him going to spain or maybe back to germany i think that it would be sad if he didn't take his talents and show that he can do it on a world stage yeah well so you're saying that city never has a shot at the champions league i'm saying that city aren't going to win the champions league this year yeah okay that's certainly not this year. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, all right, I like that. So so so, what's your what's your punditry for today from from that lazy boy chair you got? All right, so armchair pend- pundits for me this week. Pending armchair pundits. Pending armchair pundits for me this week. You're not gonna like this one, Zach. I didn't like writing it just as much as you're gonna like not like hearing it. Okay. No Newcastle player <laughs> will score double digits this season. Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you my. Let me give you. Wait, my, we didn't mention this before, but Newcastle is now finally ahead of Jamie Vardy, seventeen in, to sixteen in, in the Jamie Vardy in the Newcastle versus, versus Newcastle Vardy race. race. But yeah, no, I, I agree. But continue. <laughs> so here, here's here's my backup for this. So sure. John Joe Shelby has five goals currently, midfielder. 
Uh, next closest players to um, Shelby are Clark, Fernandez, and Willems, all defenders. That's with, with two. Joe Linton and St. Maximin only have one goal apiece so far this season. I think Shelby is historically somebody who gets injured, who doesn't play full seasons. Currently he's injured. He's already at five, already injured. Um, St. Maximin cannot score one-on-one. And Al Moran, let's not even talk about him. Um, Joe Linton, I don't see him scoring nine more goals this year either. And I think an interesting stat for you, 2002 was the last time that we failed to score, have a player to score 10 goals. Really? Yes, in our season. Was um, Shearer injured? Shearer actually scored seven, and he shared that with Carl Court <laughs> and Nobby Solano. They got seven apiece. Jeez. We finished 11th in the table that season. That must I, be Shearer's worst goal return in his entire career, you would think, for playing a full season. Did he play a full season? I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. I, can't, I can't say that for okay. sure. Um, but very interesting that it's been basically 17 years, and I don't think we get a 10-goal no. score this I, season. I like that one because I completely agree. Uh, yeah, everything you said is, is on the mark. So, yeah, All right. well done. Two great armchair pundits then, I think. Hey, yeah, nice. Look at that. Look at look at us coalescing in that one. Uh, all right, so so ten and ninety wrapping it up uh, again. It, for for newer listeners, ten and ninety, the oldest segment on the false nines. Uh, and this one is where Adam and I each wrote uh, five questions. With Adam always asking me an additional six. Uh, and these questions are ones that the person who are, will be responding to them have not seen before. So rapid reaction is kind of the name of the game here. That's right. Let's do it. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to ask your questions? Yeah, you go first. I'll round it out. All right, so I went with a theme here. You have a theme? I have a theme today. Is it hypotheticals again? No, it's... Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> what am I saying? It's completely hypotheticals. Every single one of them. All right. Uh, all right. Question number one for you. What would Kevin De Bruyne do for a living if he wasn't a footballer? Rapid... Gotta be quick on these. Oh, my word. Um, he'd sell waffles. What would John Joe Shelby do if he wasn't a footballer? He would sell hair care products. What would what would Mohamed Salah do if he wasn't a footballer? He would sell tickets to tourist attractions in Egypt. Uh, what would Hyung Min Son do if he wasn't a footballer? English translator. And my fifth and final question: What would Kepa Aritza Balaga do if he was not a footballer? He's not really a footballer. He sucks. And those are my five <laughs> ten and ninety questions for the week. Well done. Thank you very much. All right, I'm going to go into my five questions. Actually, I have a bonus question at the end, as I always do for you. Oh, what a my, surprise. My theme this week for you, Zach, is how well do you know Carlo Ancelotti? <laughs> Not very well, so let's get started. <laughs> All right, let's start off with an easy one. How old is Carlo Ancelotti? Why is that an easy one? Give it, what's my, what's my uh, five, over-under? Five years either way. 60, uh, uh, 60. He's exactly 60, Is Zach. Really? Damn. Yeah, All right. Well done. See, I told you it was easy. Uh-huh. Well the, the rest of them will be just as easy. I, I bet. Number two, Carlo Ancelotti was the third Italian manager to manage in the Premier League. Can you name the other two? Ooh. Uh, Should be able to name one of them really easily. Um, third Italian manager? Mm-hmm. What year did he start managing in the Prem? Like 13, I think. 13? Um, oh, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, give me a second, give me a second. Um, I'll give you another clue. All of them Yeah. managed Chelsea at some point. For some reason, I knew that. Zola? Uh, no, that was after him. That was after him, that's mm-hmm. what I... Oh, shit. Um, Di Matteo? Nope. Di Matteo? After, I what? think. What? Okay, who are they? Now I'm getting unsure about everything. Claudio Ranieri. Oh, ooh. And Gianluca Vialli. Oh, I probably wouldn't have gotten either of those. Yep. 
Okay. All right. In 2011, while managing Chelsea, Carlo Ancelotti broke the British transfer record and signed which striker for 50 million British pounds? 2011? Yes. Fernando Torres. That's right. Good job. Number four, as a player, what position did Carlo Ancelotti play in? Right back. He was an attacking midfielder. Right. He was a Kevin De Bruyne, if you will. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> Do you know he actually won, um, he won the World Cup play really? as a player? In the no way. Ita- Italian 90. I did not know that. That's really interesting. Yep. Uh, all right. Last question for Carlo Ancelotti, and then my bonus question: How many countries has Ancelotti won domestic league titles in? And bonus points if you can name the teams. Four. Incorrect. It's five. Five. Okay. Uh, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Bayern Munich. Yep. Uh, Juve. Not Juve. Uh, not Juve. He's more famous for another. Italian team. Milan? Yeah. Uh, Real Madrid. Champions League with them, too. And PSG? Did he manage PSG? Yeah, good job. Oh, there you go. That. Strong <laughs> showing. There it is, yeah. Strong showing. I like it. All right, last question, um, and this is what we're going to wrap the podcast with today. I want you to say these Welsh words for me. Okay. Two words here for listeners. It's N-A-D-O-L-I-G. N-A-D-O-L-I-G for the first one. And L-L-A-W-E-N for the second one. Nadwigian. One more time. Nadwigian. It is not. It's Nadolig Klawen. Ooh, that's, you made a noise that I don't, I've never heard before. And do you know what that means? That means good night. It actually means Merry Christmas. Actually. All right. Oh, and a happy New Year and holidays to you as well. And that's the perfect way to wrap up the pod for today, our, our pre-holiday episode. We'll be back on our bi-weekly basis in two weeks. Uh, so, yeah, have a, have a lovely and safe, happy holidays with you and yours, Adam. Thank you very much. Same to you, Zach, and to all of our listeners, too. Footy! Footy!